gentlemen, we have made it all the way to the division finals week of the CFL season. Welcome to another episode of the Shups and Preds podcast. This week, it is myself, it is Matt, it is possibly Tyler in about, I would say, 17 minutes, uh, (laughs) 9.47. How do you feel about that guess? The clock's ticking. That's your... We are going to review what went down in the division semifinals, um, and then we will talk about what happened uh, or what is going to happen in the division finals when the Montreal Alouettes travel to Toronto to take on the Argos and the BC Lions travel to what seems to be at this point a frozen tundra in Winnipeg, Manitoba, uh, to take on the Blue Bombers. I believe it was negative one degree. Now, I believe this is a measuring system known as Celsius, which I'll be honest, I'm unfamiliar with the uh, math here, but I believe negative one is still cold. Um, That's chilly. I I will double check the math. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Matt, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We spent this past uh, weekend together enjoying football, uh, family, frivolity. It was pretty fun. Fun. Shared fun. Birth days. And everything that goes with an enjoyable family weekend. Uh, But not to be lost in the mix, of course, uh, is the CFL action uh, that took place this week. Uh, So what we want to talk about first and foremost is the division semifinals. And we will start, um, well, I guess we can start with a broad overview. Um, What we thought would happen, I mean, outside of me predicting Calgary to win, uh, what seemed likely to happen, which was the two teams who had swept their opponents during the regular season, uh, won. pretty handily in both cases with Montreal winning 27-12 and BC winning uh, 41-30, though probably a little bit of a bigger win than that uh, with Calgary getting uh, some late points. So first, Montreal-Hamilton. Matt, are there takeaways to be had? Uh, More so the question I want to know is, did this performance from Montreal impact the way that you'll be looking at the Eastern final? Or was it, yeah, Montreal's better than Hamilton. I knew that. Um, I still think Toronto has their way. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything that Montreal could have done this past weekend to make me... Put up 90? (laughs) I mean, maybe. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, But, you know, honest to gosh... (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) I think... I think if, yeah, no, I, I really do think if they put up 90, I would have just said, oh, uh, Tiger Cats rolled over. <laughs> I really I do. That. Like, I don't Fair I enough. don't think there's anything they could have done to make me pick them against Toronto this week. Yes. I think the that's only, fair. The thing that it has done is just continue my love affair from afar with Cody Fajardo. False. Like, the guy is just a gamer. Uh, he is going How about into him getting his. Getting the wheels ignited. I he's love going to see his... an old mobile Fajardo this week. Third division final in four years. 
Whatever. The man always shows up. He's, he's talking about how, like, I, I want to get the quote right, but it's something along the lines of, um, there's no more tickets for this train available. What a boss. Just, uh, let me see here. Oh. Well, I don't want to go through the whole the whole process. Anyways, he had, a, he had a great quote that just said, you know, the haters... Which, which we won't name. Many. Maybe there which are some there are on this many. podcast that, that counted them out, that counted him out. Like, hey, we, we've got our supporters. We're, we're marching along. I think the, uh, you know, I think the season ends come Saturday. That said, great effort from Cody, Jason Moss. Do something like this and totally redeem themselves. Seriously. A little <laughs> solid vintage Willie Stanback performance. Uh, which I was definitely digging on, had a few big runs. Um, you know, as far as the passing game went, I, I would classify it as unspectacular. Uh, but you do enough to win. Uh, your defense holds Hamilton out of the end zone, which uh, I would consider a win, um, to say the least. Uh, holds Tim White to, uh, let's check the stats, zero receptions. Um, which is significantly fewer than he averaged this season uh, and just completely shut down uh, the Hamilton uh, offense uh, with Matthew Schiltz having a bad game. They threw Bo Levi to the Wolves late, which uh, we will talk about here momentarily, caused a rift. Um, I will say for Hamilton's credit, God bless our man, James Butler. He had another valiant effort just working hard in the face of quarterback adversity um get that man on a better team so he can thrive um and yeah but uh but but a very solid solid outing uh from the alouettes there was a little bit of a scuffle at the end of the game um matt you will not believe this chris edwards a man who assaulted a fan uh no more than two seasons ago uh was now involved in an on-field altercation i i don't see how somebody who does that you know i i just who could have predicted such a thing really seems shocking to me um so it's the people you least expect it's these are the guys that we we look to as leaders out there on the field yes um so we will talk more about the alouettes uh in their matchup with the argos but let's talk about hamilton uh, put a cap on their 2023 campaign. Uh, and I think, uh, for me, the most interesting thing will be this Bo Levi Mitchell situation. Um, he was quoted after the game as saying, uh, if you're, I'm paraphrasing, um, is that the right usage? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not going to play your highest paid player in the playoffs, uh, what's the point of sticking around? I think, um, okay, that's what, I think that's I have not heard that quote. Is that a oh, did you not hear is that? that close to a quote? I've not seen anything like oh, that. Oh, Matt, or you are you are editorializing? So I no, must no. be. You are so out of the loop. Now, I um, heard the I don't foresee myself being here next oh, year. Sorry, that's exactly what. Well, what did I say? <laughs> I said, if you're not going to pay your p- highest paid player, and I don't see the point in sticking around, okay. I feel like. Yeah, I think that counts as editorializing uh, and not okay. paraphrasing. Well, you get <laughs> I thought the point. I, I thought I missed something. No, but he's I, I think, unhappy. 
And well, then Orlando fresh wounds, of course. Orlando like this Steinhardt. is exactly what happened last yeah. year with Jake Mayer, where he was healthy again and was asked to play a second fiddle to his replacement. He's yeah, like, oh, forget that. No, totally agree. Like that's an absolute load of junk. I would. That's that's an absurd thing uh, to ask. I'm not even going to say a quarterback of Bo Levi's stature. That's an odd thing to ask any quarterback. It's just like, yeah, yeah, just go in there. Like this whole thing's been a disaster, um, but we're going to put you in there for just a few more, a few possessions that are pretty hopeless. Uh, that seemed that seemed absurd. I will say, you know. Um, in the end, he only plays six games for Hamilton this year. Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, ends the season um, with six touchdowns, ten interceptions. Um, but Alonda Steinauer said, uh, you know, he's under contract. Uh, and, you know, him not playing uh, is not just on us. That's on him. I think fair, you know. Fair or unfair, I don't think he did too poorly in weeks 18 and 19. Um, but they felt that, obviously, Schiltz had a, uh, a different thing, a different style to add to the offense. Uh, they were wrong. Um, but, yeah. What, Why would they think that, though? That's just silly. <laughs> I don't want to be mean. They, they, value the, they value the legs, I guess, is the odd thing. I mean... In the end, I mean, I think there's a conversation to be had. Not even I, – I hate that. I don't want to hedge. It <laughs> seems it, – it, it seems to me that they should have played Taylor Powell, who was inactive this weekend uh, in favor of Kai Loxley as the third down back. Um, they should have just played Taylor Powell to finish out the season. Am I wrong? Yeah. Um, I, no, I don't think so. I I understand how money uh, plays a part in roster selection. Yeah. But the dude kept you afloat. Yeah. I I really don't understand the Schiltz play. I, I, I'm baffled by it. I'm baffled that, I mean, they must really think that Bo is not their guy. I guess, but like you... I, I know I know what Orlando said that he's under contract and somebody did pull a quote from last year in January where he said use the exact phrasing like he's under he's under contract about Dane Evans a month before they uh, dealt him to BC so I, I think it's a little hollow from Orlando it, it's clear that Bo's not going to be there I would have to think so. And I don't know exactly where he'll end up, but um, lots of great options, of course. But yeah, you don't if if you think Bo's your guy, you don't you don't do what you did to him. And but but Schiltz of the the three options is the least makes the least sense to me. Yeah, that was odd. That was odd. I think. Yeah, and I mean the thing is. In the CFL, the salary cap is tight enough. Um, I'd have to go back and take a look at Bo's salary. Um, but you don't keep Bo to be anything but the starter. Right. It just doesn't make financial <laughs> sense. Right. So it would be 
you know, yeah. So it's either he's the guy, he or you know he's cut loose, which I think you know adds an interesting layer because I do think it would be. I, I don't think Bo goes into any situation next year as the guaranteed starter. That would be awfully generous given, uh, you know, his performance the past two seasons. Um, yeah, but. That'll be interesting. It was an it was an odd year uh, for the Tie Cats. Um, you know, they uh, didn't beat the Argos. They didn't beat uh, Montreal. Uh, they had some nice wins. Beat BC. Beat Winnipeg. Um, but were you know I feel like this is an unsurprising ending to their season. They just really didn't have it in terms of competing for any sort of Grey Cup. Um, any final words on the on the tie cats? No, just that they've got a lot of a lot of work to do. Whew. And I need them to do that work. I also will say that tie cats are v- vital in terms of uh, repairing the parity within the CFL. Um, we are at a uh, not a bad situation. Who can complain about a great Argos team, great Winnipeg team? But we need the third team in the East and the third team in the West to improve by about two to four wins. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. And get, we need to have, you know, questions. I need to be, we need to be asking questions late into the season, who's going to win and especially in playoff games. Uh, So Hamilton, that's on you. Um, (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, to our next uh, matchup of a team that got swept and a team that completed the sweeping season uh, with BC defeating Calgary. Uh, The star of the show is our guy, Vernon Adams Jr., who had an incredible game, 413 passing yards, two touchdowns, uh, 54 rushing yards, three touchdowns, Keon Hatcher, 195 yards, um, and BC, uh, I think, put a really good jolt of energy into these playoffs. Uh, They're coming in hot to Winnipeg this week. Matt, takeaways, thoughts, slander. What do we have to say about this one? Makes it tough. Like, you know, you want – what – how many consecutive Grey Cups – could VA on one win? Huh. Are we talking peak? Does v, the question you're like asking if, is, does if, VA if, have the highest peak in the CFL? Of all time. He very well could be the highest peak in the CFL. Like, this was a dismantling. That might and be the first bullet, bullet point on the tweet, by the way. VA highest peak in CFL history. Like, you know, this was this was just huge. On the ground, in the air, like, spreading it around. We, we've said all season long that BC's got a great receiving core, but, like, just all time. Like, an all-time playoff effort. And really kind of buried the Stampeders, except for, like you said, some garbage time. Uh, points, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is it's just unfortunate that you can't really trust VA. Oh, 
No, he didn't. He made this is a, a now a tough one though. I, I compared to the Alouettes game, I did. There's nothing that the Alouettes could have done to make me think that they would beat the Argonauts. VA reminds you that he can and has gone in and, and beaten Winnipeg. Yes. So yes. a very difficult pred coming up. Yes. I will say that uh, I was witness to what I thought was VA's best game ever. You know, a lot of people say when he beat Washington, uh, when he was playing for Eastern Washington, but I once saw him throw for in person, 457 yards, six touchdowns uh, against the University of Montana when he was in college. And that was incredible. But in this situation, <laughs> in the playoffs, uh, to have the kind of game he had, again, it just adds to that fact. Like, he is a big game player. And when he hits his peak, it is about as filthy as it gets. Uh, VA is just a baller when he needs to be. Um, so... Love that. I think, though, if I'm nitpicking here, uh, which I love to do, uh, <laughs> the lack of run game on our boys from BC is still mightily concerning. Taquan Mazel had 11 rushing attempts, and he got 28 yards. That's not good. Not good. Um, sure. Especially going in. And I, this is, you know, Maybe maybe a conversation to have when talking Preds for the um, uh, Western final. But, you know, if we're looking at things that are concerning, certainly the idea that, uh, you know, the running game to the running back for BC just cannot find traction uh, anywhere this year. Um, and also I do, uh, I would say... How would I frame this? Something that concerns me is, God, I guess it's not a concern, but I'm just like worried that the, <laughs> the how would I even phrase this? Because it's odd to articulate because it sounds like dumb. Like how would this be incomplete? But I am sort of interested to see how um, just the wealth of receivers in BC um plays out uh, in Winnipeg this final game. Because I feel like, especially with Rhymes back, you now have, I would argue, three alphas in Hatcher, Hollins, and Rhymes. Um, you know, how do you – you know, but Keon Hatcher had 12 targets. Dom Rhymes had three targets. Uh, is that something that they try to correct for? Is that something where you just roll with the hot hand? Just sort of an interesting wrinkle, a good problem to have, but uh, interesting to see how they handle uh, spreading out those targets uh, this next week. Something at least I'm interested in. Um, Matt, yes. talk to me about Calgary. Uh, good little effort out of Kadeem Carey, 14 carry, 75 yards. That was my over. Hit the over. That was my takeaway. Um, uh, it's weird. Like, I feel like there are a couple teams that are like this um, where I don't think they can break through. I think BC can break through. Obviously, Winnipeg and Toronto can break through. Um, but Calgary is currently constituted. I don't feel like they can break through. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff. I, mean, I think it's primarily Jake. Unfortunately, you know, I don't want to be mean, but 
I think it's it's shout out be, pod, not a call out pod. We know this. <laughs> you know, with with everything that that Calgary, you know, Calgary is only a few years removed from a great cup. Five years removed from a great cup. You know, Dave Dickinson is a good coach. Maybe is made the playoffs like what, 16, sixteen straight times. You know, they had a great end of their season, but it seems like. Um, Calgary and Montreal are both teams that you wouldn't necessarily blow up. You wouldn't, you know, like uh, like the Red Blacks, like, sorry, Edmonton. Uh, you wouldn't blow the team up and kind of work on rebuilding, right? You don't yes. want to lose Bagleton and Michelle and Carey and a lot of those these guys on, on defense – um, Judge and Awe and Trey Robertson, you know, these guys you want to, to keep around, but I also feel like it's not the team that's going to beat the currently constituted uh, Bombers or Argonauts. So I don't know. I don't know. No, I think that's correct. Like, clearly there's work to do, but who to do that work is the question. <laughs> right. It's like Dave, Dave, the head coach, GM mix. Um, now some have suggested this is kind of like the old art vandalay issue, import exports. Uh, I think he should focus on the imports. Um, well, you know. but I, I feel like Dave Dickinson is a historically and will be a hall of fame head coach. If you're choosing something to focus on, that seems like the thing I'd focus on and get somebody else to figure out the GM side of things. Uh, especially if you consider... Now, granted, he's new, and uh, improvement would be um, expected, but his current string of um, GM moves, if judged solely by the wealth of ex-Stampeders currently playing successfully... Uh, and well for teams throughout the rest of the league, I think would be judged somewhat poorly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they play that. Not really in turn. I guess I should say it could be interesting. In reality, he will be the head coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders next year. Right. And we'll probably just trudge ahead. Um, but there is room for, I think, questions to be asked about uh, divvying up those powers uh, and allowing him to focus on one or the other. I agree. I, I'm with you on that. And I also am of the mind that, yeah, he should just, you know, that's, that's a lot of effort. I, I've not even, I, I don't coach, I don't GM things, but it seems you like think one, a lot though. You know what it feels like to think. I, th I think that either one of those jobs would consume all of my time. Yes. I think that it's like safe to say that one is hard enough. I agree. Yeah. Um, also, last note uh, for me on Jake is certainly don't think the book is written. You know, obviously this person who has incredible arm talent, can huck the ball, uh, obviously hasn't gotten the job done in terms of wins and losses, but um, still think uh, he's got, you know, wins to be had and major moments to be had in the CFL. But it will be interesting to see uh, next season, what sort of competition they bring in for him. Uh, 
you know, definitely do not feel like he is, he will go into the 2024 season as the for sure number one. Um, but like I said, who to bring in, uh, who to bring in is competition. I think that it would be, uh, yeah, just something to keep an eye on there. It will be interesting to check out. Uh, with that being said, though, Matt, let's first review Pred standings, where there is now a new solo leader. Yes. Which is you. You have now, you had a golden week, 59 correct picks. I oh, went out on a branch with Calgary. I have 58 correct picks. Um, God, does that feel stressful? Should be uh, should be an interesting final three games to pick. I will say I did think about that and I was like, well, if I'm down one heading into the Grey Cup, I will feel as long as Montreal's not playing in it. Sorry guys, I will feel confident just picking the opposite and going for the tiebreaker. Okay. Um, so, so I just gotta tie you this week. I just gotta tie you this week. Okay. That's it. That's it. Speaking of, uh, let's talk CFL division finals starting in Toronto uh, at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Montreal versus Toronto. Toronto swept them in the regular season. Toronto is an awfully good team. In a way, I feel sort of uh, like I've forgotten what it feels like to watch a fully uh, oper- uh, fully operational argument. <laughs> uh, but they'll be going full bore um, against a Montreal team that just picked up a big win. Uh, Matt, what are you looking for in this game? Uh, what are your expectations? What are your concerns? Yeah, my uh, I don't think I have any concerns. Um, I think this is definitely a game that is... Uh, a challenge, a challenge, definitely a challenge. Um, this is a minefield for Cody Fajardo because the Toronto Argonauts defense plays a a style and a pace of defense mm. that targets him where he is is weakest, which is in the scramble. Oh. Um. And in broken plays. So uh, Cody is best when it's either he has a strong pocket around him or when it's a designed option play and he's he's moving, but he's moving on purpose. So the ability of the Toronto Argonauts to get behind the line of scrimmage and get to the quarterback and make Cody make some uh, quick decisions is exactly what they don't want to happen i like that i like (laughs) that that's the that's the danger i like that yeah i think that that's um i think you know if you were to say what's the what's a a number one thing you got to watch out for if you're the alouettes to ensure that you have a chance in this game it's keeping cody fajardo off the turf you cannot allow them to bring pressure, uh, get sacked. I think Willie Stanback um, is going to be massive in the check down receiving games uh, just so Fajardo doesn't have to go scramble and go crazy, but instead just hit a quick little check down, 
uh, live to play another down, um, uh, which would be intriguing to watch that. But you do feel that uh, it's going to take an incredible effort from the Alouettes uh, to overcome uh, what is a historically good uh, and quite deep uh, Toronto Argonauts team. Um, I think from the Argos, uh, what I'm looking at is going to be really the first quarter, uh, just about freshness. Not even that, you know, everybody's gotten reps over the past five weeks, but they haven't really gotten reps that matter. And so playing with that pressure again, if they can just snap back into it um, or if it takes them a little time to get used to it, I think that first quarter is a huge point of opportunity uh, for the Alouettes, uh, possibly score early um, and see if they can, you know, apply a little bit of pressure to the Argonauts. I think that, I think that if the Alouettes aren't leading at the end of the first, I think it's definitely over would be my take. hundred percent. I think that's the, the, I do think that there is an area of opportunity there to get in and, you know, again, the Argonauts are professionals. I'm not questioning their ability to understand the stakes. Um, but they, you know, have had time off. They've had a a week off with the bye, and then ahead of that, how many weeks? You know, where okay, Kelly's playing this week, but we got the backup running back in. Okay, the running backs are playing, but we got a backup quarterback in. Some of the deep, like this, is their, you know, their back. They should be well rested, but maybe a chance to pounce uh, for the Alouettes. But um, with that being said, Matt, who will win this game? I think Toronto. Is going to take this one. I think they have to. Going out on the proverbial limb there. <laughs> yeah, it would be wild. This would be sixteen and two. Right. I think they can make it seventeen. This would be wild. This would be. Um, yeah, I would be. I, I would be picking the Argonauts as well. Um, I think this would be uh, just I, I, truly shocking if they don't get the job done. Uh, again, after sweeping the season series, um, it would, uh, yeah, I mean, I really can't even think of that as a possibility. Um, no. So, uh, who do you think will be, will be the player of the game for the Toronto Argonauts? Toronto Argonauts. Uh, I think this is, you know, you said earlier in the pod, we've not seen the Argonauts really unleash. Oof. And I think time. in a long time, I think Chad Kelly is due for a 400 yard game. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. That would be awesome. I think we're, I think the, the stars are aligning. I love that. I think, Something we mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, Mr. Fajardo's uh, proclivity for being sacked. I think that uh, my player of the game, uh, Florian Arumalade. Okay. May maybe end up with like three sacks, a couple pass breakups, maybe a tackle for loss. Uh, and the Argos defense, I think, um, I think the Argos defense shines in this one, as much as I hate to say it. Because I would, I would love to see Montreal win this um, and especially at least make a game of it. But I do, I can definitely see a world where this is uh, a 20 point Argos victory, or at least they're up by three scores uh, at some point in this game. 
which is unfortunate. <laughs> it uh, is, but I think that's move, totally, totally fair. Moving on to the big one. The one we all care about. The game of the year so far, honestly, probably. Um, BC, Winnipeg, Western Final, IG Field, Winnipeg, Manitoba, negative one degree Celsius currently. Um, Winnipeg won the season series. Now, there are some asterisks on that. Uh, BC won the first meeting handily 30 to 6. Winnipeg won the second meeting handily 50 14, although that was uh, a um, game that was without Vernon Adams Jr. And then finally, in a barn burner uh, in week 18, Winnipeg won 34 26 in overtime to win the season series, uh, win, you know, help them launch their way into securing uh, first place in the West. Uh, two of the best quarterbacks in the league, I would argue, uh, you know, the two, not argue, it was the two with the most uh, passing touchdowns this year. Um, but uh, you have a playmaker on Winnipeg's sideline uh, and on their field in Brady Oliveira, that was the best offensive player, uh, including all positions this season, um, and is going to be a huge weapon this in this game, I think. Um, so, Matt, what's the advantage? What are you looking for in this one? So, uh, I think BC's got the uh, – I won't say clear advantage. BC's got the advantage in the air. I think they just have way too many – Especially Even more with than... the possible injuries to Winnipeg's receiving core. That's Dalton true. Schoen, not yet practicing. Possibly Nick Dembski out. Uh, I like bad. to think he just forgot his helmet. And they were like, he, he left it in the on the bus. They're like, okay, well, we don't have time to go back and get it. Let's just get some reps in. These things happen. That's what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, so I think BC's got the advantage in the air. Obviously, we know that no... Uh, no hate to Miz, the Miz, but Winnipeg's got the advantage on the ground. Uh, in terms of defense, I think pretty evenly matched. Would it give a slight advantage to Winnipeg? Um, there is definitely a path for BC to win this game. And if, if VA has another Certainly. game, another game like this, I think they could, you know, they could definitely pull pull one out. Um, but that said. Uh, a good quality Winnipeg effort um, is going to overcome seven times out of 10, I think is like, I, I give them a 70% win rate in this, this matchup. Obviously yes. it was 66% during the, the season. And I think that you know, would play itself out uh, throughout the course of, of many matchups. So Winnipeg with the advantage, but a high flying BC offense can win the day. I think that, you know, not to uh, toot our own horn, but what we were talking about the entire season in terms of what's going to be the deciding factor uh, in this potential match or what could have been the deciding factors is coming to fruition, which is it's going to be a nasty, cold-ass day in Winnipeg, and one team has Brady Oliveira and the other team doesn't. <laughs> uh Pretty simply put, you know, uh, Brady Oliveira had 
1,500 rushing yards this season. Um, uh, let's see. Let me just make sure I get. Uh, yeah, and also 482 receiving yards, um, uh, just to be precise. Um, he's a playmaker. It's cold. Uh, BC has proven, I think, that they cannot run the football. Um, outside of Vernon Adams getting loose and scrambling, which uh, is a good thing to have, but certainly not something I think you can game plan around. Um, and so I really, really, you know, not to be boring and not to be predictable, but that if we're looking in terms of who's going to be able to control the time of possession, who's going to be able to have uh, more confidence in their game plan going forward, uh, it's probably the team with more options, and especially the one with uh, a ground option in inclement weather. Uh, I will say, looking at the injury report, um, you know, right now, that just on Tuesday's practice, uh, Rashid Bailey did not practice. Nick Dembski did not practice. Dalton Schoen did not practice. Uh, hoping that changes, that would be awfully insane if Winnipeg rolls out there with uh, Lawler and Wolitarski uh, as just their two options, um, obviously I'm sure they'll scrounge somebody up who will go for 150 <laughs> receiving yards. Um, but interesting uh, little wrinkle uh, heading into uh, heading into the game. Um, I also will make this note just as I'm looking at the article. It's odd, I feel, that the injury report. Uh, is noted as coming from Toronto. I feel like it should be from <laughs> Winnipeg, uh, just my take. Uh, anyway, um, but it's my turn to make a prediction. It's my turn to make a prediction. And I will say to Hedge that I would love BC to win this game uh, just because I love VA. I'm a VA supporter. Um, but I do think that Winnipeg gets the job done. I think that this is why getting first in your division matters. This is why it's important to host uh, home playoff games. Uh, they're not in a dome. Um, they're going to be out in the elements. It's going to be cold. Uh, Ivy Field is going to be buzzing. Um, and I think that, that they, get, they get the job done, though I do think it'll be a, uh, I think it'll be a shootout. I don't think BC plays poorly. I just think Winnipeg uh, plays better. It's got to be Winnipeg for me. Uh, it has to be. It just has to be. It has to be. I've got not. I've got nothing much to add, other than I think Winnipeg is as good as they've been, uh, and which is crazy to say after three seasons of just consistent high level of play. Crazy. Crazy. But yes. they they did it. I think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the Winnipeg reign has to come to an end at some point, and I hope it does. Um, but today is not that day. Uh, <laughs> I do think they've got one last run in them. Um, and I think that I, I do just, I, I think, you know, Caleros is kind of the forgotten man. I mean, we haven't even mentioned his name. Uh, but this is a guy who just has Deal. He has guts. Uh, is com already completed a massive career comeback, co being coming back from complete obscurity. Uh, there were even podcasts that said he wasn't a good player. Uh, well into his back-to-back -back <laughs> MOP uh, resurgence. 
don't hate ask to be me those who. guys don't ask me who um but you know i do think you have to keep an eye on uh the receiver situation um but overall i think i think winnipeg gets the job done uh which is going to be exciting uh god it's just going to be a great game though that that <laughs> i am super excited about i will say this saturday slate of football is unbelievable um would love if the cfl i i complained about this early on i'm going to complain again these playoff games really should be on sunday i don't like i don't love the move to saturday saturdays are just a little bit too congested uh in my life um but it's still going to be an absolutely insane day of action got this got oregon usc got the beeves playing it's just going to be action left and right i cannot wait tcu texas can tcu pull the upset over number seven these are the questions we're asking who do you have as mop of the western final match oh man uh i think it's setting up for a vernon adams or oh. jesus what am i saying uh, Pick the guy who loses. Uh, setting up for it, but it's it's either going to be Vernon Adams in a win or Brady Oliveira in yeah, a win. I think. Uh, I, so I think obviously it's going to be Brady Oliveira. Um, I think. I think he's just going to run roughshod, yeah. but. If it's not Brady Oliveira, it will be because VA has another 400-yard, five combined, you know, five multi-purpose touchdown games. Yes. Ah, oh, that would be exciting. All right. Any final news and notes before we bid these fair people to do? Do we want to do way too early? Where will Bo Levi play next year? Great. Yes, we do. Okay. Let me think about that. I don't know how it has. To, I think it has to be. A, I know it has to be a trade because he's under contract. Well, they could just cut him. But well, yeah, maybe his contract's a little too rich. Nice. Uh, but I do think he would be a great fit in Regina. Yeah, I mean that makes the most sense. Um. But you still, the issue is, is that, God, he's just such a hard person to bring into any situation. You've got an, a Hall of Famer who is clearly hungry to play. <laughs> you can't bring him into, um, I'm trying to think of the right example to use. Uh, let's just say, um, I, you know, Chad Kelly's already passed this, but there's not really a young starter in the league right now like who cemented his position as the guy. Yeah. Like, you know, it let's, okay, obviously this is not the situation, but let's say there was a Jake Mayer style player at a team that wasn't Calgary from the exact situation he was coming <laughs> from. That would still be a tough situation, I feel, for Bo to be in, because you or, or the team to be in. You don't want Bo nipping at the heels of your young starter. So if there's any team that's planning on bringing a young guy in to compete, um, 
it's kind of one of those situations where either Bo wins the starting job or you'd rather just not have Bo on the team. Yeah, totally fair. Which is odd, but uh-huh. I do think, you know, I think that Bo either has to go in and compete with another veteran um, or just settle on being the starting quarterback of a bad team, uh, which, you know, maybe he ends up in Ottawa um, or like you said, maybe he ends up in uh, Ryderville. Uh, in Saskatchewan and just sort of takes over uh, a bad QB room or at least, you know, a a struggling QB room. Although I would say if I'm the writers, uh, T Harris all the way, just run it back. Hope he stays healthy. Oh yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah, I would say Ottawa is my pick. Okay. Love it. It it will be one of those two. If if Bo Levi plays. I feel confident in that. You know, I was uh, Orlando Steinauer on his, uh, podcast had luke tasker and the taskmaster you know i just i I unfortunately think bo could be in in a luke tasker situation where he's too expensive to keep on and he gets cut or he his contract runs up he's a free agent he just doesn't get signed i mean happened to luke tasker happened to brandon banks happened to but could happen to bo happened to cj gable like so yes. many of these huge guys were, were stars in their final season. You know, maybe didn't have their best season that last year, but were playing, you know, close to the top of their potential. And just because there was no room for them and they were too expensive, they didn't, you know, they, 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 they're not continuing. Um, I think that that's. So I think, unfortunately, that's really possible. Uh, that would for be Bo. a damn shame. It would. I mean, it totally. You don't want to like, go out on those terms. No, I mean, you know, this is a guy, two-time MOP, two-time Grey Cup MVP. Um, you want him to be able to retire, but but you look at Brandon Banks had was yes. two seasons, two three seasons removed from an MOP, a fifteen hundred yard uh, season, and he's just out. And there's no there's no farewell game. There's no retirement, you yeah, know, there's no dumb. right off from the sunset. He's like, okay, Brandon Banks no, no longer a part of the CFL, which is a bummer. But crazy. The way the economics of the league unfortunately cue that up sometimes. Luckily not too frequent, but there's four there's three examples and one possibility this season. Three examples is really a lot, I'll be honest. <laughs> All right. On that note, we will uh bid you find people farewell. Uh, Tyler, let's see, we haven't heard from him, um, but we are excited uh, to get a frantic text here about uh, 10 minutes after signing off saying something like, shit boys, my B. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we will get you Tyler and Peter's picks. Um, Nothing left to say. Let's see who's going to play in Hamilton on the 19th. Let's get down to it. All right, you people have a good rest of your day, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.